The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some under your seat. Uh, a little white Bible, ESV translation is the one we use, and you can follow along there. Uh, there's also the, there's some King James Bibles floating around out there. And if thou dost prefer that, verily, verily, I say unto you, take it and use it. Uh, all right? <clears throat> a couple announcements uh, before we, we get going. Um, you guys know the last Sunday of each month, or the fourth Sunday of each month, we go to Jackson Avenue, um, and, and we serve some, some homeless people out there, and we feed them and bring clothes and stuff like that. We're trying to do it a couple times a month because there's a need for it. Uh, and so this Sunday, today, is actually one of the days we're trying to do that. So if you'd like to go with us at 1 o'clock, meet us in the lobby. That's it, 1 o'clock. We've got the food taken care of. We've got everything else. But just give us a couple hours, come with us, we go out there, just love on some people, bring them some food, uh, and, and just have a great time out there. So come with us. This Saturday also at 8 a.m., not a joke, uh, we've, got, we've got the flu stuff going on, which is awesome, come get your shot. Uh, in the chapel, we also have a men's breakfast we're going to do at 8 o'clock in the morning. Why at 8 o'clock in the morning? I don't know, but it's at 8 o'clock, all right? And so, if you can wake up that early, be there. Um, as we talk about Veterans Day, um, uh, uh, every time we recognize Jack Campbell, um, I, I always think, how cool is that? Like, he fought in World War II. Like, that's just so stinking cool. You know, there's recently a time I was, I was uh, sick, not just today. And, uh, and I remember Jack asked me how I felt. He was like, how, how's it going? I was like, man, you know, kids are kind of, the kids have been sick, and now I'm kind of feeling bad or whatever. And, and I said, Jack, I can't help but think that when I start complaining about, like, my kids being sick, you're thinking, oh, yeah? Well, you know, it's tough fighting the Nazis. That's tough, right? Like, I can't, I can't help but think that that goes through his head, but he's never said it to me because uh, he's too nice of a guy. But veterans, we do love you. We do thank you for your service. So last week, we started in Titus chapter 2. And last week, remember, we talked about that no matter where you are in life, your calling is to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior, right? To clearly display the beauty of the gospel of God through the way that you live, no matter where you are, right? So display the saving grace of the gospel. Live gracious and inviting lives to other people. It should, it should also display the training grace of the gospel. Your life should look differently. And how do we do that? Remember we talked about this. How do we do that? What's our, what's our, our key here? It's never forgetting, never looking away from our blessed hope. Though everything in your life may change, everything that, that you thought you knew about yourself may change, our blessed hope, Jesus returning for us, never changes. It's always a constant. So when you're a teenager, your blessed hope is constant. When you're in college, your blessed hope is constant. When you get married, your blessed hope is constant. When your kids leave the house, your blessed hope is constant. When you have major surgery, when you have to say goodbye to your spouse, your blessed hope is constant and hope does not disappoint. Now this is a foundation we poured last week or I guess I should say Paul poured last week for us and, and, we, and we poured that foundation so that we can continue this week. And what we're going to be looking at today, what we're starting with today is the, is the generational instruction that Paul tells Titus to give to the church there in Crete. And there's some major differences between generations. That's why I think he, he breaks it down that way. Even in our own, uh, uh, our own world today, there's major differences between generations. I'm going to do a little quiz. You ready? A little, little pop, pop quiz here. My seven-year-old father helped me put this quiz together. So here we go. Young people, this is for you. You ready? What's a chubby checker? 
No, it's not a game for fat kids. Listen, he actually was the guy who sang the twist. What, what comes to mind when I say ducktail haircut? Ducktail. Sounds stupid? It was stupid. Check it out. There it is, right there. Ducktail haircut. Good job. Good job. Uh, what's a 45 RPM record? Nope, not from NASCAR. I thought it was too. It's one of these little bad boys, right? One of these little records here. Let me ask you this, young people. Would you ever put like metal taps, little, little look, horseshoe looking things on the back of your shoes so people could hear you coming? Me neither, but they did. Look, for real, they did. I don't know why. But anyway, last one, young people, you ready? Who is this? Who is this? Who is that? Let my people go, right? Like, you don't know who that is. That's Charles and Heston, all right? Now hold up, old people. Hold up. Hold up, older people. You ready for your quiz? Who's this? Any idea? Any idea? Macklemore. Incredibly popular uh, rapper right now. Macklemore. You're missing out. If, if I were to put something on Vine, what am I doing, older people? No, it's not drugs. Uh, it's a little seven-second video on a social media platform. What social media? Ask your grandkids, all right? But what's a lightning cable? What's a lightning cable? What is that? No, it's not something invented by Benjamin Franklin. It charges your iPhone, right? That's called a lightning cable. If you wonder why your phone's been dead for a couple of days, you need that, all right? What's a duck face? When I say duck face, speaking of duck tail, what's a duck face? Is that anything? It's a really stupid face that girls do when they take pictures lately. I don't know why they do it, but it's really dumb. It's called a duck face. Would you ever think, older generation, would you ever think that the entire world needed to know what kind of coffee you got or what burger you ordered and, and ate? Would you ever think that that would be newsworthy? My generation does, and everyone takes pictures and puts it on Instagram. It's awful and it's stupid. If you're doing it and you're in this room, repent, all right? We don't care what you ate. Repent. So we're all different. All of our generations are different, right? We've got the GI generation, the silent generation, the baby boomers, Generation X, Millennials, Generation Y, Generation Z, all kinds of X, Y, Z, whatever. We've got all kinds of generations. And Paul deals with generational instruction because regardless of where you are, regardless of who you are, you're called to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And the boomer generation, adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. X, Y, Z generation, adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. But because we're so different, because, our, because our, our generations are so different, there's conflict. And because there's conflict, we, we tend to stick to ourselves, right? We, 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 we stay together, right? We, we huddle together, right? So, so older people, you, you guys might, might huddle together and talk about, you know, young people look weird. And, and young people, you might huddle together and talk about how old people smell weird, right? You know what I mean? Like, we huddle together, right? We have things in common. I don't want to hang around people who aren't changing dirty diapers because it makes me angry that that's your life, that you don't have to do that, all right? You know what I mean? You hang around people that, that you have something in common with. And here's the problem with that. that in our churches, uh, uh, there's, there's a purpose uh, for this, this chapter in your life you're going through, for this, for this, this place you are in life, uh, this chapter that God's called you to, it directly affects the believers in their own chapters. 
Whatever, whatever you're going through now, whatever generation you're in, it directly affects the other generations in our church because we're connected. God put us together in the body of Christ and God didn't make a mistake by having different generations in a church together. It was by His design, right? It's not a mistake that we've got all kinds of different people here today. It's by God's design. And wherever you are in life, you're useful and we need you. We need your experience. As a parent, I need you to tell me that, that when my kid gets sick, that, that kids get sick. That's what happens. They'll get over it, right? Put my fears at ease. As a spouse, help me understand how to serve my wife better even when the new car smell wears off the marriage. You know what I'm talking about? When it gets real tough. And when you, with your financial decisions, I need your experience. Whether good decisions or bad, I need your experience. We need your wisdom. That whatever the Lord's given you, whatever He's shown you, don't hide it. Don't put your light under a basket, right? Share it with us. Share us what the Lord's given you. We need your story. I need to know that I can make it, right? I think uh, one of the most encouraging things um, for my, my dad, if, if you guys aren't familiar, my dad had, uh, had cancer. He went through cancer. and uh, By the Lord's grace, it's, it's completely gone. But, but my dad, when he was going through cancer, one of the most encouraging things were people who were coming up to him and telling them their story about how they dealt with their cancer and how the Lord brought them through it. How many of you guys in here, you made it through a tough time because you saw somebody else make it? Anybody? Isn't that what kept you pushing? It kept you going because someone else's story was so similar to your story and you thought if they can make it, I can make it. We need your story. We need your example. I, I need a role model. I need a flesh and blood person I can emulate, right? We need role models. We, we need your passion. Some of us get tired. Some of us get worn out. And we need people who are passionate and excited to keep us motivated. We need your influence. Every generation in here has different influence, right? Your generation has the influence over certain people that my generation doesn't. My generation has influence over certain people your generation doesn't. We need your influence in the church, right? We need one another. And a great obstacle we ourselves keep creating for ourselves in the church is that we have a lack of spiritual role modeling. It's an obstacle we are constructing. It's not an obstacle the world's putting on us, right? It's not an obstacle our, our government's putting on us, our community, anything like that. It's an obstacle we are putting on ourselves is that we have a lack of spiritual role modeling. Let me give you two real life examples. Let me give you two case studies. These are real church people, real church members and their stories. Listen, number one, there's a wife raised in a non-Christian home. Her father left when she was 13 and she barely saw him again. Her mother's a very severe alcoholic and physically abused her daughter while she was growing up. She was put in foster care as a teen and went through three bad homes interested only in the money. Finally, at age 17, she had one good foster home where she was loved and shown she was worthwhile. The husband was raised in a non-Christian home. His parents were good old-fashioned people who didn't follow Jesus, committed to the family and the values of the world. Heavy drinking and TV watching were the family mainstays. Now here's my question. Where will these two real church members, right, seated here among you, find out about parenting and what it means to be a godly husband or wife? I, I'm not preaching a sermon series. I'm being a godly husband and a godly wife every, every day, right? Where are they going to learn that? From you. A, a second example, a real example. Someone sitting here in this room today. The husband doesn't assume responsibility for the family. He lives a single lifestyle with the benefits of marriage. Happy in the marriage as long as the wife takes care of his needs and pays the bills. 
She's disillusioned. Where will this couple find out about the responsibilities and the privileges of marriage? Where will they go find models of what it means to be a husband and a father and a wife and a mother? Where? Not me, right? Number one, I'm not a wife. I'm not a mother, right? I'd be one ugly girl. Do you understand, right? That's not me. I'm not that model. I'm also, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not preaching about that every week, right? Well, they'll get, it, they'll get it in teaching somewhere. Probably not, right? Where are they going to learn that? You. Us. God put us together, all these generations together, by design, not by accident. So let's get, let's get to it. Let's see where Paul starts here in Titus 2. Paul starts with older men. So we're going to start there as well. So younger men, don't tune me out. This will be you one day, right? I can't believe it either, but this will be you one day. And also, this is your goal. This is, this is what you're, you're, you're living towards. This is what you should be shaping your life towards. And women... Pray for them. Pray for these men in this way. And, and listen, this stuff we're talking about here, what, what, what Titus is supposed to instruct the older men, it's still godliness. It's still applicable to all people, all right? So this is worth emulation, all right? So, so, so ladies, this is also something for you to strive to as well. But who are the older men here? Who are the older men? Well, it can be any generation that's gone before, really. I mean, I, mean I, I guess I'm an older man compared to some a teenager. When I, when I meet teenagers, one of the things about... Uh, looking so young is that they, they can't believe that I'm as old as I am, right? No, I'm not old. I'm only 29. But when you say 29 to a 13-year-old, you might as well say, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was on the Titanic, right? Like, it, it just, it blows their mind, right? And, and they look to me for, as, as an example, right? Someone who's gone ahead. So, so it could be any generation that's, that's gone before. And and, and so, so rightfully so, all men in this room, as, as we're addressing older men, rightfully so, you need to be aware that you're an example to someone coming up, someone else. However, specifically for our message today, I think it means, I think older men means this, older men. The, the Greek word used here is, is presbytes, and, and, it, and we see it in Philemon 1.9, bless you. We see it in Philemon 1.9, Paul says... I'm Paul, an old man, and he uses this word. And at the time, we know he was about 60, all right? So Paul, an old man. We see this word again in Luke 1.18, Zacharias. When the, when the angel of the Lord appears to Zacharias, says, your wife's going to have a baby, John the Baptist, right? When he appears to Zacharias, he says, but I'm an old man. So he was beyond the normative childbearing years, right? So, so that's, the category, that's the category of old man we're going to be thinking about today. When we say older men, we're thinking about that. People who are, are probably beyond uh, normative uh, uh, childbearing years. Can, can we just take it from that? And, and let me ask this question. Is, is aging a good thing, right? We're talking about being older men. We're talking about God uh, placing you here. Has he brought you to a good place? Is aging necessarily a good thing? Now, it can be difficult. It can be difficult. I'm not saying it, it can't. You know, it's difficult when everything hurts and the things that don't hurt don't work, right? You know what I'm talking about? It can be difficult when your little black book contains only names ending in the initials MD, you know? It can be difficult when you get winded playing chess or when your knees be uh, buckle but your belt won't, right? It can be difficult when you burn the midnight oil at 8 p.m. It can be difficult when you sink your teeth into a steak and they stay there. You know what I mean? Aging can be difficult. I'm not saying it's not difficult. But it is a good thing. And it is a blessing. Proverbs 16, 31. A gray head is a crown of glory. It's found in the way of righteousness. Right? 
Some of you say, I, I wish I just had any color hair, right? But no, I'm, it doesn't mean that. But a gray head is a crown of glory. It's found in the way of, of righteousness. It absolutely is a blessing from the Lord. It absolutely is, is, is a blessing to walk with the Lord as long as you've walked with the Lord. It's absolutely a blessing from the Lord that He continues to use you and use you differently and move you into different generations and grow your sphere of influence and, and, and give you more opportunities to serve Him and bring people with you to the kingdom, right? That is a blessing. However, aging is, is, not, um, is not a blessing. It's, it's, it's in fact, it's worthless if it's not used for righteousness. Look at the second part of Proverbs 16.31. It's found in the way of righteousness. Being old and being young are worthless if they aren't, aren't they used in the pursuit of righteousness. It's also worthless if you're not an example. How worthless is that? All the work that God is doing in your life and then you're not an example, you're just hiding it. How, how helpful is that, right? It, it'd be like you just working and working on this this piece of art, you know, just this sculpture, you're just constantly working on it. And as, as soon as you, you work in secret, and as soon as you finish it, you just put a, a sheet over it, right? And you should see what I did under that sheet. It looks awesome, right? You wouldn't believe it. It is amazing. It is a beautiful piece of artwork. Can I see it? Absolutely not, right? That's ridiculous. That's not helpful. In the same way, aging and, and, and what God's been doing in your life as you've grown older and, and how He's shown you new grace and new kindness as you've grown older. It's useless if it's not used for righteousness and it's useless if you hide it. It's useless if you don't live as an example. So again, we're starting here with older men. Older men, your, your mantra, if you will, the thing that, that you should say constantly, the thing that your life should say is what Paul says, is you should say this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That, that's how you should live your life, in a way that you can say to other people, other generations, yeah, imitate me, follow me as I follow Jesus, right? And, and then, wouldn't that be an incredible thing if all of our, our older men, that was, that was how you lived your life. Follow me and you'll follow Jesus because I'm following Jesus. I'm going to Jesus. And this passage, again, it starts with you men. It starts with you older men. And I've been incredibly excited to talk about this. I had a conversation with my dad probably a month and a half ago. He probably doesn't even remember it. But, but the Lord sparked something in my mind that brought me to Titus 2. We, we were in the car for something. I don't, I don't remember where we were going. Uh, I've inherited his memory. I don't remember where we were going, but we were in the car somewhere, and, and, and the Lord sparked something in me, and, and I went to Titus 2, and, and I've been in Titus 2 now for a month and a half just sitting on this message, just thinking about it and and whatever, and, and going, Lord, I don't know when you want me to say this, but I'd really like to say it. And, and so I'm so thankful that this day has come. And, and, and I remember, I do remember this about our conversation and, and kind of what sparked it was that I was asking my dad about growing up. I was asking my dad about his life. And he was telling me stories, you know, about, about growing up and whatever. And, um, you know, about the time he met President Lincoln and all this stuff. And so like he's telling me all these stories and as he's telling me the, the, these stories um, there's always a as, if you talk to anybody in an older generation there, there's always this this um, I don't know if it's if it's an attitude or or a um, or something but, it, but it's kind of this this whimsical those were the good old days you know what I'm talking about you, you, have, you ever heard that phrase those were the good old days right and as a person who hears that story, a, a lot of the times what my, my mind went to when, when I heard things like that was, well, that's arrogant. Well, that's prideful, right? Those were the good old days. That, that was the good days, right? Now it's just, 
it's just terrible, right? And, and that's all I've got. And I used to take it that way, but I don't think it comes from a place like that. Because, number one, I don't, think, I don't think my dad's prideful in that way. And I don't think he, he would try to hold something over my head and say, man, my life was great. Son, you're like, your shit's going to be tough, right? Like, no, I don't, that's not my dad. I don't think so. I, I think it comes from a place of caring. And, 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 and here's, here's, here's what I mean by that. I think because you care and, and you see the world around you and it's unfamiliar, it's, it's, you're fearful. You're fearful for me. As, as I grow up in a world you don't understand you're fearful for my grand, for, for my kids, your grandkids. As they grow up in a world, you, you, you can't wrap your head around, right? You, it's fear. And, and, and I, don't, I think it comes from a place of care. And, and so here's the thing, though. What, what seems to happen a lot is that, is that my generation, maybe now we're on the front lines fighting for Jesus in this culture that, that really is completely different than what you grew up in. And so, so my generation, we're, we're fighting on the front lines here. And, and then we've got some of the older generation back here going, well, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how to reach Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. It's not like the good old days. I don't know, right? So we're up here fighting and our reinforcements and our examples are back here going, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do, right? Like, I don't know. I just, I, I've got some stories though, right? And, and so let me tell you this. How, how can you help? How can you be helpful to, to, the, to pushing the kingdom of God further, right? How can you be helpful now? Follow this instruction and be a living example. Be faithful to what you know and let the Lord contextualize it in my life. I'll give you an example. In, in your generation growing up, you don't know what it's like to live with and to love and to share the love of Jesus with the homosexual community. You don't know what that's like. Well, our world has changed. It's not what it was when you were growing up. You don't know what that's like. But do you know what loving people is like? Show me that and let the Lord contextualize that love to loving a, a, a group of people that, that you never had to love before, right? Show me what you know. Show me that truth that God's shown you and let the Holy Spirit contextualize it in my life. That's how you can help. You don't know what living in a post-Christian world looks like? Well, guess what? That's all I know, right? I'm growing, I'm growing up. I'm living. I'm raising my kids in a post-Christian world, in a world where our culture is, is seated at the table and there's no chair for Christians anymore. You don't know what that's like, you know? But, but my kids, that's all they're going to know. But do you, do you know truth? Well, tell me truth. Just tell me truth and let God contextualize that for, a lot, for my life and my kids' lives. Follow this instruction. Be a living example. It's serious that you do this. Look at verse 1. It accords with sound doctrine. You're to represent sound doctrine. You're representing what's true, right? And the penalty's huge. The penalty we see is, is it maligns the Word of God if, if you don't do this well. They, people will speak evil against us if you don't do this well. And, and, and it won't adorn the doctrine of God if you don't do this well. And it's so serious that you need to be corrected if you don't do it well. 1 Timothy 5.1 says, Don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. The implication there is that you'll mess up and you won't do this well. And, and, and we can't just let it go when you don't do this well. We can't just let it go when you're not a living example of the sound doctrine of God. We need to correct you. There needs to be correction because it's serious. So what is this specific instruction that's so serious for us? Verse 2. <clears throat> Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Let's just start at the beginning. Sober-minded. 
Well, immediately what comes to mind? Not drunk. Sure, yes. All right, like I, I, sure. I think that goes without saying, don't be drunk. All right, you're not a great example if you're drunk. But I think it goes deeper than that. The, the Greek here for sober-minded literally means vigilant. It seems appropriate that tomorrow being Veterans Day, we, we, we remind older men to be vigilant. Isn't this the mark of a, a veteran soldier on the battlefield, that they're vigilant, right? Doesn't that, doesn't, isn't that one of the first things that comes to mind? when you think of a veteran as someone who's vigilant. Inattentiveness is, is a temptation that I think grows as you, as you grow older. It's so easy to, to kick your feet up for a while, let someone else care, right? Let someone else deal with that. That's absolutely a temptation of age. And, and here's the reality though, men, your enemy isn't resting. The enemy, as you grow older, isn't going, yeah, he's had a good run, right? I just need to, no, no, no. The enemy's still on the prowl. He's still trying to steal your joy and steal the glory of God. He's not resting. You can't either. Be vigilant. So be vigilant and watching for danger. Be vigilant and watching for danger personally. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning. Your life should show us a vigilance when it comes to watching out for sin. A friend of mine uh, in this church, she's more than twice my age. We were having coffee together and he said to me, he asked me to pray for him in his daily struggle to die to himself. He said, I really struggle with putting my pride to death and dying to myself and, and following Jesus. And I'm going, you? Like that, There doesn't come a point where you just get over that and you just can do it, right? But he was vigilant and watching for his weakness. And I'll tell you what, it was inspiring. It was like he showed me uh, an enemy that's coming after me. It's like he showed me the sniper on the ridge, right? He's saying, yeah, 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 you, you need to watch out for that too. You need to be vigilant because it's hard to die to yourself. Don't, don't think that you got that down. It's really, really hard to pick up your cross daily and, and it gets harder. So, so watch out for that. It was inspiring and his vigilance was contagious. So be vigilant watching for danger personally. Be vigilant watching for danger in our church. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Our older men, our older generation here, you should be the prayer warriors fending off the enemies, uh, as, at the enemy's attacks on the church before some of us even realize it. You should be the one who hears that familiar grumble of our enemy right outside our door. You should be the one who, who can sense the, 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 the enemies moving in disruption and division in our church. You should be the ones to sound the alarm first. You should be the ones to, to lead the charge in fighting against that. You should be vigilant and watching out for danger in our church. You should be vigilant and watching for God's moving. 1 Peter 1.13 Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will, bring, will be brought to you as the revelation of Jesus Christ. If there's something that God is doing, you should lead the way by being there first. Is there a service project that our church has that's God-honoring? You should be there. Does the prayer meeting we have, is that God-honoring? Is it honor the Lord? You should be there. There are a few faithful people here in, in this older generation that, that I'll tell you right now, I could name them, but I won't. I don't want to embarrass them. That I watch what they do. I watch what they show up to. I watch what they put their support behind. Because, because they're vigilant in watching where God is and they want to be where He is. So I want to be where they are. Does that make sense? Be vigilant in watching for God's moving. Second thing, be dignified. 
Now, dignified, it translated, it literally means serious, not trivial. So be serious, not, not trivial. This is something we expect with age, right? Don't you laugh at things, older generation, don't you laugh at things that you used to worry about so much? When you were younger, maybe you, you spent hours trying to find the perfect outfit, making sure you look nice as you, you go out, and now maybe you have the, atti- the same attitude my dad has, which is, you're just lucky I have pants on, right? You know what I mean? Anybody else like that? Or, or you, maybe you've heard at 20, we worry about what others think of us. At 40, we don't care what, what people think of us. At 60, we discover they haven't been thinking about us at all, right? And, and so, I'm joking, but, but being serious is serious. I went to college. You, you impressed? All right. What I mean is this, being dignified and not trivial is important for older Christ followers to model. Show us, show what's worth being serious over. Using 1 Corinthians 15.34 as your guide. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Show us what's of first importance. What I also received. This is what's of first importance. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Show me through the way that you live what is of first importance. Model that for me. Show what's worth being serious about personally with my time. Show me by the way you spend your time uh, what's worth my time, right? My, my grandmother, uh, Winnie, who's, who's with the Lord now, um, she showed me what was of first importance. She showed me there are two things very important in life. Number one, she showed me Jesus was important to her by the, by the way she spent her time. And a very close second was me, right? She showed me that she cared deeply for Jesus and she cared deeply for her family, right? She showed me what was most important. She showed me what was worth being serious over, right? Show what's worth being serious about in our church. With, with our fights, when we disagree in our church, show me what's, what's worth being serious about, right? When we disagree over musical preferences, do you show what's most important through your attitude and through your argument? Are you, are you showing what's of first importance in that? When, when someone fails to be loving to someone in our church, in your response... Do you show who is more important, Jesus or you? With our vision in our church, are you patiently and respectfully listening to others' visions and dreams in our church with the glorification of Jesus as mainly important and not your vision as mainly important? May your lives be a breathing, a living and breathing example of Philippians 4.8. May your lives be an example of, of whatever's true, and whatever's honorable, and whatever's just, and whatever's pure, and whatever's lovely, and whatever's commendable, and, and whatever's excellent, and whatever's worthy of praise. May your lives be living examples of those things. Show me what's worth being serious over. So be sober-minded, be diligent, or, or excuse me, be dignified. Be diligent as well, that's probably good. Uh, be self-controlled. The best picture of self-control, I think, is 1 Corinthians 9.27. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. It gives us a picture of an athlete, right? Training our bodies, you know, like, like eating the amount of, of calories you need to, to, to make your body operate at its peak level, right? If you don't guide the growth of your body, it will grow out of control, right? It'll grow this way, right? And so are you careful to train your body? And I don't mean physically. Some of you would probably echo Phyllis Diller who says my idea of exercise is a good brisk sit, right? You know what I mean? So I don't mean physically. My attitude on exercising, whenever I feel like exercising, I lie down until the feeling passes, right? I don't mean physically. 
But are you careful to train your body as you serve the Lord? Do you control your passions? Do do you control your tongue? Do you control your, your actions considering other people first? And how do you do this? How in the world can we do this? You need teammates. You need accountability. Luke 17, 3. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Have someone watching your back. As we speak about the older men, this older generation, I think this is incredibly uncommon in your generation. And here's why. As you grew up, it's, it's impolite to talk about your dirty laundry, right? It's impolite, so we don't talk about it. We put our best foot forward, our best face forward. We don't complain, right? We don't whine. We just do it. We get the work done. It's one of the things about the silent generation you're known for. You work hard. You don't talk about it. You just work, right? It's impolite to talk about these things. But because you're not talking about it, some of you are dying because of it. Some older men in this room, you need to confess your lust. Some of you older men in this room, as embarrassing as it is, you need to confess your addiction to pornography. Some of the older men in this room, you need to confess your deep-rooted pride. You need to confess your anger or your laziness or your prejudice or whatever it is. You need to confess it. Get it out in the light and let the Lord deal with it. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Some of you aren't healed from these things, these strongholds in your life, these failings in your life, because you haven't confessed them. Be sound in faith. Fourthly, be sound in faith. Sound in the Greek means in good health. Get literally giving the picture. It doesn't matter how old you get. It doesn't matter what your body does. You should be in sound health in these areas. Number one, sound in faith. So model sound doctrine. Model sound doctrine. So be students so that your foundation of truth is solid. And it's something I can build on too. I can build on your foundation too. So never stop learning. Be a model of sound doctrine. Be the model of the fear of God. Show me that, that though you're familiar with God, though you're familiar with His worship, that you don't take them lightly. Show me that, that the way you, you enter His presence, you treat that with as much respect as you ever have. Maybe even more. Show me that, that you take His worship seriously. Show me that you take praying seriously. So be sound in faith. Be sound in love. Soundness in faith mainly deals with your relationship to God. Soundness in love mainly deals with your relationship with others. And old age brings with it a a lot of insecurities and physical and emotional and mental and financial difficulties and instabilities. And it can lend itself to the temptation of rudeness and, and selfishness. But you've been called to be sound in love. So older men, treat younger men as brothers. 1 Timothy 5.1 Treat women with all purity, 1 Timothy 5.2. Treat outsiders as neighbors and love your neighbor as yourself, Mark 12.31. Be free of judgment and full of forgiveness, Luke 6.37. Is your life marked stereotypically by judgment and harshness or by love? A great exercise, I think, men, no matter our age, is to regularly review the most perfect definition of love, 1 Corinthians 13. And, and review it in, in light of your life. Love is patient, it's kind, doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not arrogant or rude, doesn't insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful, it's not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Be sound in faith, be sound in love, and lastly, be sound in steadfastness. The Greek here for steadfastness literally means an active patience. Or another way of saying that is, is, is persistent. Be persistent and not passive. 
a temptation of, of old age is to throw in the towel. You don't have the emotional strength you once did. I've heard Brother John talk about that before. But persistence is a choice. And persistence is something the Lord commands and it's something the Lord responds to and blesses. So be healthy in your persistence in prayer. In Luke 18, Jesus gives us a parable with an unjust judge who responds to the persistence of a widow. And then He says to us, <coughs> And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? So, so be persistent in your prayer. Be healthy in your persistence in your work. I love the picture when Jesus told the, the discouraged fishermen to throw their nets overboard. Do you, do you remember where He told them to throw it? In the place they've been throwing it all day, right? So be persistent in your work. So older men, be sober-minded, be dignified, be self-controlled, be sound in faith, be sound in love, be sound in steadfastness. I want to say in conclusion, I fully believe that the front line of discipleship in our church should not be programs, it should not be pastors, it should be our older members. You are the front line of discipleship. After the elders are addressed in chapter 1 by Paul, it's, he starts with the rest of the people in the church and he starts with the older men. You know why? Because it starts with you. It starts with you. Investing in the other generation starts with you. Pursue younger men. Ask questions. Show them gratitude. Pray for them. Display a strength of faith that starts with you. The women of our church outnumber the men at our Tuesday night prayer meeting. This should not be so, men. The strength of faith just starts with you. Displaying a strength of love for others starts with you. Our volunteers should be flooded with you. Flooded with men. It starts with you. And you can do it. Keeping your eye on our blessed hope. Remember, He's called you to this work, right? He's equipped you for this work. He'll finish this work. Just be obedient. Taking it one step at a time. I'd like to close um, with, with another prayer time. Brother John already had us do a prayer time. We're going to do another one. I'd like to close with a prayer time for our, our older men in this church. Um, could we, uh, let's, let's just, I've got to make a cutoff. I can't just say older men. I've got to make a cutoff. So if you, uh, if you are 50 and up, 50 and up, and some of you are like, I don't want people to know how old I am. Come on, you're 50 and up. Get over it, right? If you're 50 and up um, and you're able and willing, um, would you come forward? Would you mind coming forward now? Would you come forward and just stand right here? Come forward. And some of you are proud. got a strut in your step being 50. You know, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Come on forward. Who's, who, uh, who's wearing Old Spice? Oh, all of you. Got it. Can I ask, can I ask the rest of you to gather around these men and put your hands on them? Let's pray for them. The Lord's given them a wonderful responsibility. Um, and we need them. As you pray for them, you're, you're praying for yourself. We need them. We need them to be faithful. We need them to be examples. So let's, let's pray for our men. If you can reach out and touch one, great. If you can't, put your hand on the shoulder in front of the person in front of you. Let's pray for these men. I'm going to give us a few moments just to pray. If you want to pray out loud, you can. If you want to pray silently, you can as well. Um, I'm going to give you a few moments to do that, and then I'll, I'll close this by praying uh, for these men. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these men. 
I thank you for your love for them. I thank you that you've called them to be yours. Um, and so, Lord, we thank you for the, the leadership that they offer. Um, Lord, I, I pray that uh, you would strengthen them and embolden them uh, to be the leaders that you've called them to be, to be the examples you've called them to be. Uh, Lord, I pray that if there are obstacles in their way, if there are things that are, are keeping them from being the men you want them to be, Lord, I pray that you would loose them from that power of whatever it is, that, Lord, through confession to one another, through prayer for one another, uh, those, the chains of those things would be broken, the shame of those things would be broken, the guilt would be alleviated, and they would walk in freedom, freely to show all the beauty of the gospel of God through the way that they live, the way that they love, and the way that they lead. Thank you for these men. We love you. Thank you for your care for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.